Blog Talk Radio. Well, where's the music? <laughs> All right, this is Mike. We're not getting music today. Blog Talk Radio is not being super friendly. Uh, we had to reschedule this session from earlier, and so we're going to get right into it. Our guest today is Jamie Griffin. Um, great. J- Jamie is going to present a topic called Imperfect Organizations, a Lesson from Beirut. Um, Jamie is, a, is the founder of a consulting firm, Consult to Grow, which is a restaurant strategy firm that advises restaurant owners on scaling systems, processes, and people to grow sales, profits, and geography. In today's moment, uh, Jamie's going to share a quick story from life about working in a high-growth restaurant chain and volunteering in Lebanon. So, Jamie, go ahead and get started. Have a great show. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Um, talking mm-hmm. about imperfection might uh, seem a little scary or uh, insight fear, but this this episode, this snackable moment, is all about liberation. And so, um, I want to talk about imperfection in my first memory, and then a story in Lebanon, and then give you some wisdom that I've found from these stories. Uh, as a little boy uh, growing up in the Deep South, I remember with a vivid awareness undesirable features that if revealed might bring shame to loved ones and danger to me. That shame and fear came from being a sexually abused gay adolescent, and it led to decades of dysfunctional behavior that followed me right to work, which is why I'm sharing this today. During college, I joined Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, where I grew up over a 14-year career. And on my first day, I brought eagerness and intelligence, but also emotional baggage and destructive habits. And for over a decade, I unpacked that baggage in healthy and unhealthy ways as an employee, as a manager, and as a head of HR designing systems for people at work. It wasn't until a few months after leaving that job that I had this aha moment, and it happened in the most unlikely place. A good friend of mine recruited me on a missional trip to Lebanon to explore ways to help Syrian refugees. We'd be traveling with several ministers, and if you know me, like Mike and Robin do, I was very concerned about whether it would be okay if I drank a little and cursed maybe a little bit more. (laughs) With my fears fully alleviated, three ministers, a theology student, and two gay guys embarked on a trip to change the world. The punchline of this still escapes my wit. It frustrates me every day. Um, but spending days crisscrossing Lebanon, I was awed by the beauty of Beirut. You're certainly aware of the tensions based on many facets of life in Lebanon. Uh, and it was humbling the, to see the realities of refugee encampments. Um, and on that trip, a minister in the group arranged for us to meet uh, the Dr. George Sabra, who's the president of uh, the Near East School of Theology. And this school is uh, really in a beautiful area in Beirut. It's a campus that's eight stories of concrete-clad building with students and professors engaging in interdenominational seminary in a country whose seats of government is allocated on 11 different religious sects. So you've got Maronite Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Sunni, and Shiite Muslim making up the majority. But this is a very uh, religiously diverse place. And as the least religious person on this trip, I was there to be an observer, a bystander. This meeting had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the, colleague, the dialogue between my colleagues. 
Um, and unexpectedly, Dr. Sabra gifted me with words I can't stop going back to. He said, the reason we have politics, religion, and art is because humans are trying to make sense of an imperfect world. The reason we have politics, religion, and art is because humans are trying to make sense of an imperfect world. So if you know me, my brain was firing in a million different directions, but I want to focus on a few things that I thought about. First, imperfect people create a world with a broad spectrum of individual views and beliefs about what's right and wrong, which many times are in conflict. As a society, we have to have mechanisms like politics and religion and art to come together in community, to have dialogue, and to create order out of imperfect chaos. Second, because imperfection exists within humanity, there are bad people who harm others and create suffering. It's not everyone, but there are bad actors, and art has the power to call attention to that suffering and politics and religion has means of identifying and managing these outliers. And finally, if you're in HR, and if you accept the you know, two statements I just made, you must also accept and think about the forces that play out in the workplace you're trying to better design. You know, the truth is we live in an imperfect world, and we can't aim to be perfect people, even though some of us try. We should aim to be the best version of ourselves in every moment nor can we aim to create perfect organization. Our aim has to be to create a place where people can be seen, belong, and contribute in the healthiest ways possible. So with a vision of World at Work as our snackable moment um, that embraces imperfection as a fundamental human trait, I want to share three lessons I believe will help you improve your lives, your, your own life, and the people around you, and more importantly, improve the world at work you're designing and leading. So first, awareness creates choice. Catherine Schultz, in a great TED Talk entitled On Being Wrong, which we'll link in the show notes, asked our audience, what does it feel like to be wrong? To which the audience replied, embarrassing, terrible, <laughs> bad, right? Schultz has this sly grin um, and she looks at the audience and says, you're wrong right now. The question you just answered is, what does it feel like to find out you're wrong? Schulz goes on to say, the answer to the question, what does it feel like to be wrong, if you never find out, is that it feels exactly like being right. Imperfection and being wrong are a lot alike in this way. I challenge you to be more aware of your gifts and your shortcomings of your organization's strengths and its weaknesses. And with that awareness, do what my Shiro, Maya Angelou said, and do the best until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. Second, give yourself some grace. I was really fortunate to be mentored by a brilliant HR colleague, Janet Hoffman in New York, who led me through a coaching process to reframe my mental models. My Zen highest-ranked mental model was perfectionism is the only thing that is safe. Through our sessions, I came to appreciate how totally unrealistic and exhausting living by that model was in reality. And by working with a therapist, I know the power of self-acceptance. And so when I say give yourself grace, I say the truth is that we are really all beautifully imperfect, that we're doing our best, and that's absolutely enough. 
Um, even in nature, there is nothing that blooms all year long. So please, please, please do not expect yourself to do the same. Give yourself grace. Third, and the final one, show the people around you grace. Now more than ever, but we have to appreciate the people with whom we work. A few years into my Keynes career, the founder asked to meet at a park near our office. And anytime you're asked to meet offsite, in those days, especially at Starbucks, it was not good. And it turns out Todd wanted to address some of my behavior that was wreaking havoc within his company. With Grace, sitting at a picnic table in City Park on that spring day, Todd created awareness of my behavior and its consequences. He gave me the choice to stop and fix it or be fired. And then he told me he believed in me and that this could be fixed. That conversation, Todd's grace, was one of many pivotal moments that extended my time with that company in spite of my imperfections. And so I'm grateful for his grace. Please be gentle in what you say and how you say it. Seek to understand before you jump to conclusions. Forgive and learn to ask for forgiveness. You know, I believe business transformation requires personal transformation. That's why I'm sharing personal guidance today. I think it will impact how you do business. If you grow your self-awareness, if you give yourself and other people grace, I hope you will have a personal transformation, and I hope that will improve the work you do for the better. Dr. Dr. Sabra believes that we have politics, religion, and art because humans are trying to make sense of an imperfect world. Perhaps in our workplaces, we need design around policies and culture and innovation because humans are trying to make sense of imperfect organizations. My journey of self-acceptance is ongoing. It's imperfect. It absolutely includes setbacks. But I no longer see myself as sexually abused, but rather as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And I no longer see being gay as this undesirable feature, but as a series of gifts in my life. I truly believe we're all in this together. The reason we need HR and people like you is because organizations are made up of perfectly imperfect people. Please go out and look for the good. Give yourself and the people around you grace and never, ever stop working toward your dreams for your life, your HR team, your organization, and your community. It is an ongoing journey. If you'd like to continue our conversation today, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Jamie J. Griffin on both. Thank you so much for being part of today's Lunchtime Snackable HR Moment. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your personal and powerful story, Jamie. We will talk to you soon. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, Michael.